welcome to another episode of Courtside Reviewing from ten- Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Here again with my co-host and Hall of Famer. You see the great picture of Steve in the background. We have him here live as we always do, Mr. Flink, to join us, talk a little bit of grass court tennis. And Steve, as long as the clay court season is leading up to Roland Garros, is how short the grass court season is leading up to Wimbledon. We know there's Newport after. I kind of almost wish somehow Newport could be before it, but that's been like that forever. Um, We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Shoot, we're eight days away from Wimbledon, Steve. Yeah, it's amazing. At least let's look on the positive side for the players, at least now, you know, for so long, it was a two-week gap. So, I mean, Rafa would win the French and feel obligated to go to Queens to get a few matches. And sometimes he wouldn't make it through Queens, but he'd have to race there from, it was very difficult. Then have one more week, then Wimbledon was there. Three weeks. And, and let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you real quick, Steve. Before when it was two weeks, the surfaces were also so much different too. We had a lot of the European clay court players didn't yeah. even bother to play Wimbledon because it was just too quick. Yeah, they were, that's true. And then they also, people like Karachi would complain when in those days of Wimbledon would, would have a committee or they would make judgment calls on the seedings based on grass court play. And the Spaniards were not happy about that either. That was another issue. But at least we have the three-week gap now so that, you know, you could play one or two tournaments. A lot of guys play two and then they practice next week. Some guys are even playing tournaments next week leading right up to Wimbledon. But they have those options over the course of three weeks and they can get ready in, in, in a kind of a sensible way. So I'm, I'm glad about that. Hey, you know, I think it was this past Tuesday or Wednesday, Netflix came out with their next five uh, Breakpoint episodes. I know you're in the progress. You've seen a few of them. You're not quite complete, um, all five of them. I recently finished all five. Let's not spoil anything for the viewers. I, I enjoyed all five of them immensely. I would say the two that maybe stood out even more were the Francis TFO episode, which is, I don't know, maybe the f- the fourth or the fifth one. Um, and then the Alia Tomjanovich um, episode, they kind of featured her twice. Um, one at Wimbledon where she made the quarters and then the US Open when we all remember when she had to battle, not only Serena, but all the other elements around that in New York. Um, you get a good behind the scenes look of what it was like um, facing Serena in that atmosphere. Annette Contivate played her the round, played Serena the round before, and you even heard from Annette. Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but just the difficulty of this just wasn't playing a tennis match. This was a little bit bigger than that and how to manage the emotions. Um, that was probably one of my, my favorite episodes. Yeah, no, they're very well done. They're very compelling. The players are, seem to understand that the idea is to open up, not to feel like, just feel like you're sitting in a room talking to one of your friends and venting. And they, and they do that. And we we saw it in some of these episodes. We also saw it with Curios and Sitsipas, and it's with a lot of people who are speaking quite frankly in these. And, and that's what makes it so refreshing in a way that they almost can't do, certainly can't do it in one-on-one interviews at pre- press conferences at tournaments. And rarely can they really even do that in uh, uh, group interviews, I mean, on that. Nor can they do it very often in a one-on-one interview. They're they understandably a little guarded. But in these... They seem they were relaxed and it, it and it's it they've uh, they've been very compelling. I, I've enjoyed them as much as you have. No, oh, that's great to hear, and I think all tennis fans will will, will enjoy listening to all five of them. Um, all right, let's talk some tennis. 
Just a couple hours ago, Carlos Alcarez, you know, the last time we saw him, he was disappointed. He was cramping up and he was in great disappointment. Uh, and that semi against Novak, where it didn't go the way he planned, um, goes on the grass. Not his favorite surface, not his best surface, but here we are in Queens winning the title. Uh, beat Sebi Corda yesterday, and I want to talk about Sebi a little bit, but um, your first glimpse of, of the week Carlos Alcaraz now regaining number one in the world again. I don't think it really matters at this point. Him and Novak Wimbledon. I mean, Novak's favored. I, I think I can say that with a uh, little controversy going into Wimbledon. No, it. Uh, here's the interesting part regarding Carlos. Uh, I, I watched all of his matches, and he almost lost to a lucky loser in the first round. He went tiebreaker in the third set. This guy really attacked well, and Carlos didn't look comfortable yet, and the courts were slicker. He got better and better as the week went on. Eventually beat. Dimitrov in the quarters and straight beat Sebi Korda, as you just mentioned, straight set semi. And today, Alex Dimonor, he beat him in straight sets four and four in the final. He seemed to get more and more comfortable. He never lost his serve in this final. It was a good effort. Key game of the match, David, was 4-3 in the first set for Dimonor. He had a couple of break points on Carlos' serve. So if he could have broken there, he would serve for the set and maybe have a fighting chance. Because I still would have bet on Carlos to win the match. But Carlos, there's a 137. 137 MPH, ace out wide in the ad court, and then outplays him on the next break point. So he saved two, held serve, broken the next game, served it out. So just like that, in five, seven minutes, a set that looked like it might be slipping away from him was in his victory column, 6-4, and he got an early break, two all in the second set, made it count. Only concern for him, David, his game, he seemed to adapt better and better as the week went on, and and now he'll go into Wimbledon in a good frame of mind. But he did have to get the upper right leg taped at the end of the first set. There was no real sign of him having done it on any one particular point or, or hobbling at any stage, both before or after. But he had some tape put on that upper right leg. This is where he's had most of his injury problems, it seems. And then he played on very comfortably. I don't know. Time will tell if it's, any, if it's anything serious. I think it would have been really serious he might have just retired. So I, I'm, I'm not too worried about it, but that, that is that sort of problem area for him in the legs. And so I guess as a precaution, he got to take. But boy, he played well, seemed to get better with each and every match. And now, yes, I agree with you. Novak is still the clear favorite, but Carlos now looms to me as the number two choice when you look at the way the other players are performing right now. Medvedev's Kind of, you know, ever since he, he wins Rome and he's on top of the world and he earns the number two seating there, loses first round of Roland Garros, loses his opening round match in his first grass court event. And then this week, lost to uh, Bautista Agut in the quarters in straight sets five and six. He's not feeling terribly good about his game right now. Tsitsipas is struggling. See, Rublev lost in the finals today to Bublik. That most of the other top guys are, 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 are not necessarily at, at the top of their form. But Carlos comes in and now puts the, the, uh, this, the episode at Roland Garros behind him with the severe cramping, wins his first grass court tournament. Now he's won on three different surfaces this year on clay, hard, and grass, five titles altogether. So he's, that, that's a nice storyline because, as you said, they can't meet before the final now, Novak and, and Carlos. It really doesn't matter who's one or two because Djokovic will be regarded as the clear favorite. The important thing is if they do meet, you want to see it be a final and not a semifinal as it was in Roland Garros, which was bad luck for both. Correct. And Steve, you know, you mentioned something about Carlos serve again, Carlos, isn't your typical uh, guy on tour right now. Who's six, two, six, three. And you mentioned his serve. He's, he's smaller than that. Right. Um, 
But if you remember Carlos, when you when he won the U.S. Open, that final, he served really well in clutch moments in that final. And then today, the last two service games to win the match, I think he had eight unreturnables to close yeah, out both those service games. Yeah, that one game that I described when he was down three, four, two break points in the opening set was the only time he really had any problem on his serve. And he was serving big. The other thing he was doing was selective serving and volleying. You couldn't tell when he was going to do it. He might do it at 40 love. He might do it at 30 love. First point of the game. You had, there was no pattern to it, but it was nice to see him kind of working on that, not to mention hitting a lot of slice back ends. And that was that was a clear, clearly purposeful. So he, he definitely got more and more comfortable as the week went on. And and uh, he's got his bearings now. So we'll see if he can, if he, what happens across the fortnight at Wimbledon. But not nice development for him to win this tournament. And I also want to talk about Sebastian Corda because not only you and I have been so high on him, all the tennis fans have been so high on him. A lot of them think he has the highest ceiling to go in, in U.S. tennis. Um, he had a really good week and he's still rounding into shape. I thought yesterday being Saturday for us when we're recording this, he had a chance going into that match when he played Carlos. But I mean, look at who he beat, right, Steve? He beat Francis, who had won a title the last yeah. week. He yes. beat Cam Norrie. Cam Norrie's never easy to play. Um, and yeah, he loses to, he loses in straight sets to Carlos. It started out great. He broke Carlos the first game of the match, but then immediately got broken right back. But yes. Italy got broken right back, and that, that I thought was an, actually a very important game because he had 40-30 and double-folded. you got to consolidate that break and put a little pressure on Carlos because once Carlos got back, okay, they, that was a hard-fought first set, and lots both players were having opportunities to break almost every game. But he kind of lost the immediate advantage that he had gained yes. by losing a serve in the second game. You're right. He still needs a few more matches. I did think he made a tactical error. David, not on the court, but off. The day before he played Carlos, after he reached that semifinal, he said I, that he thought of himself as one of the favorites for Wimbledon. I don't think that's wise for a guy in his position. I know he, I, I, he's not a cocky guy. No, he, and he addressed it, Steve. He addressed it afterwards. He said he thinks he got caught up in the moment with that quote because he was so fired up. I think he said it after he beat Cam Norrie. He said it was surprised. He was even surprised that he said that. Um, and he felt like he was kind of caught up in the moment of just, again, he's been out a while, right? Now he's yeah. starting to play a little bit better. Maybe he did get caught up in the moment, but like well, you said, he's what? not cocky at all. No, no. And I, I'm just saying that that's, I'm surprised he didn't catch that right away, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because you don't want to put that, you put too much pressure on yourself. You set yourself up for failure, I think, with that kind of thing. On the other hand, there are many people, there are many kind of learned observers, people in the tennis cognoscenti that would say, he may be one. If you drew up a list of, say, the 10 players, the top, he'd make the top 10 list, I think. I don't know if he'd be in the top five candidates to win, but boy, you put him in the top 10 just based on his abilities. And it was a step in the right direction. I thought he could have made this match a bit closer with Carlos. But on the other hand, the wins that you mentioned were, were really good wins. To beat Tiafo and Nori, that, that, that still would give him some confidence going into Wimbledon. And let's see what his draw is like. The other guy, that we need to talk about, if you don't mind, David, is was in the other event in Halle Bublik. What a week this guy had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get to Bublik in a second. One, one more question for you on Sebi. And we don't yeah. have the draw, so I typically don't love asking these questions, but let's keep it high level. Um, if Sebi doesn't make the second week of Wimbledon, right, round of 16, let's say. I know they don't have the, everything on that Monday, but let's just right. say round of 16. Is it a disappointment for Sebi? Yes, yes. Because he was in the 16s two years ago. No, I think, 
quarters he could be happy about. 16s, in fairness, if he lost in the 16s to Carlos or Novak, maybe that's an exception. Anybody right, else? He's healthy, Steve. He should be making the second week. I mean, he is very, he's so. good. He, his game is made to play on grass. I think so. I agree. You know, he looks very comfortable on it. And, and I, yeah, I would say he, he's got to be shooting for at least the quarters. And, and with the right kind of draw, there's no reason you can't get there. All right, let's go to your guy that you mentioned, Sasha <laughs> Bublik, right? I mean, yeah. what a week he had. He beat Zverev yesterday, wins the final today. Uh, he's so up and down. You're almost like as a coach, right, in, in any sport. But as a coach, it's kind of scary, like, trusting those guys because you just don't know what you're going to get. If he's playing his A game, he can play with anyone. But if not, he could also lose to anyone. So it's kind of hard to, like, to, the dependability factor is just not, there with i'm not just pointing him out but i'm taking those types of players in all of sports no but i agree with all that but on the other hand on grass you know he's been in a couple of newport finals he lost on the cressy last year uh one previously to isner he, he, he i i like him on the grass and not only did he beat zarev of course today we bled zarev yesterday in the semis he was up 7-5-2 love when Sinner got hurt, but he had the edge before the injury. Probably was going to win that match anyway. So those are a string of really good wins. Preceded, he beat Struff, 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 whatever we want to call him, you know, who's a tough grass court player. Yeah. So he had a phenomenal week. And now he'll come in, they projecting him to be maybe the 26th seed now at Wimbledon. There'll be a lot of guys breathing a sigh of relief, David, because they didn't want him floating around outside the seating category and have to deal with him first or second round, particularly first round on slick grass. So now he's deservedly gets himself a seating post and he had just the week of his career just now. Oh yeah. It, it was a great week and we'll see again. He's one of those players. Like you said, no one, people were happy that he was seated. The top player to have to draw him in a first or second round. You just don't know what you're going to, what you're going to get. And if you can avoid that early, I think they'd all take that. Hey, let's talk about 43-year-old Venus Williams because she had quite a match against Elena Ostapenko. She's down a set three and down three, five and set two, save the match point, yeah. wins the second set, seven, five. She won 10 of the last 11 points to take that set, eventually loses six, three in the third. She gets a wild card to Wimbledon, 43. I know there's not, we're not saying that she's going to make a serious run at this. We'd all love to see it. Um, just goes to show how much she still loves battling and competing. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, the serve is not quite as potent as it was. She, she used to be, she's lost just a, a half a step. She once was in, in, incredibly quick covering the court and remains so, but it, she played unreasonably well is how I would put it. I mean, it was phenomenal to see her go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ostapenko in this big hitting contest for so long. And it wasn't really until the last three or four games that Ostapenko pulled away and, and, and sort of showed a gap between the two. It was hanging in the balance right until then. So, yes, it would be fascinating to watch Venus at Wimbledon. I hope she can win a round or two. It'd be nice to see it. It's, it's, it's possible. But she may be playing the best ten at this stage right now based in that form. I don't know if we would have ever had a 43-year-old woman player ever playing quite at that level. It's, well, it's, let, it's, let me let me tell you this, and we're talking Venus playing singles, right, Martina? And I believe you were at the match. You saw it. Um, 
Martina won mixed doubles with Leander Pace at the U.S. Open one month shy of her 50th birthday. We know Venus enjoys playing doubles. If she can stay healthy and likes to still compete and play, I mean, who knows, Steve? She can play for, for, for a while longer. Yeah, I mean, it's going to depend partially on on how. Uh, let's see what she does at Wimbledon. Let's see it went over the summer hard courts U.S. Open. What kind of results she'd get? Whether that was an isolated day or whether she can put together high caliber performances like that here and there every step of the way, then she can judge. It's going to be it's going to be difficult, but I think she's going to have her share of of shining afternoons. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And another player I want to mention is Maria Sakri. And they, and in that tournament she was competing in, they played the quarters and semis. They played two in one day. Um, a stat for her, which is just becoming all too common, which is, which is unfortunate. You know, she's 0-6 in semis this season in 2023. We know that's been her sticking point. Remember two years ago when she did really well in the slams, she had a match point in Roland Garros in the semi lost a match. She also made the semis of the U S open. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Is she going to get over that hump? We all know. I mean, she's good at pretty much everything. I don't think she has a real weakness physically in her game. A lot of it may be between the ears. I get that. That's what people have said. But it's going to be interesting to see after her career's done, is she kind of stuck in this spot or does she overcome that? There was some talk. I don't know if this has been verified yet, but when I was watching one of the, one of her matches earlier in the week, there was some talk that Mark Philippoussis is apparently in her corner now. Philippoussis, of course, had worked with Sitsipas, you know, the Greek connection there. Uh, and I thought he was doing a terrific job for whatever the reasons that didn't work out. He's left the camp. He could be very helpful to Sakari if this is indeed um, a, a, a coaching relationship that, that has been cemented. I would like to see them give him a fair shot let him work with her the rest of the year and see what they can accomplish. But that's the kind of thing that could get her over that hurdle. And, and so that she starts winning these semifinals, winning the big matches that have plagued her so far, because she's always right there in the hunt. So, I mean, it's not one player or one style that's beating her. So that it's something about the magnitude of, of the moment more than the opponent, in my, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people echo your your thoughts with, with that statement. Um, you know, hey, I wanted to thank a, a, a lot of people, whether you listen to it audio, but we've got a lot of people listening to us on YouTube now. We get a lot of interesting comments. Obviously, the comments that are just nonsense, we don't address and we don't even, uh, there's no reason for any of those crazy comments. But we get a lot of really good comments. We appreciate them all. One comment that I thought was interesting, Steve, I'll throw it your way. Um and I believe I got the second name correct. Someone said Corda and Shelton will win more slams than TFO and Fritz. I think Shelton was the second name. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But it was the person said they think Corda and Shelton combined will win more slams than TFO and Fritz. Obviously, who knows if any of the four will win a slam. We know how difficult it is. Um, Fritz and TFO more solidified in their career at this point right now. Um, we all still think Sebi's got maybe the highest ceiling of them all. I don't know. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, the case is there. I see their point. I can see that it's not an unfair projection. On, on the other hand, uh, I'm not convinced either. I mean, for instance, Tiafo at the U S open last year, he's in a fist set <laughs> against Carlos. If he wins that fist set and he was right in the match and he really fought hard to try to pull that match out. Who's going to, who's he going to play in the finals? 
Casper Ruud. No disrespect to Ruud, but I would have given Tiafo a, a pretty decent chance. To I think it would have been an almost coin flip final. I think he would have had a very good chance. So I, I and Taylor I think has underperformed at the majors so far. Yeah. Just completely underperformed. And I mean, that's not it, right. I think there were what two in a row, right? Because Wimbledon. Yeah, well, Wimbledon. He was a whisker away from making the semis. Then the U.S. Open, he lost to Tracy Austin's son, Randall. Yeah, right, right. He's had yes. a couple bad losses and slams. And disappointing but... Australia too. And and so I just feel like he's the kind of guy again. What he gets his teeth and gets into the second week, then maybe he he does the damage. But the other two, listen, Shelton. We don't. We we we're only just beginning to understand how him and tapping into his potential. Just... I think it's really important you said that, Steve, because I think people are now following, giving all these crazy expectations over Ben. He his rise was meteoric. All right, like it's not going to yeah. continue like that. Like. He's, you know, everyone's like, oh, wow, Ben may have lost early in this tournament. Like, he shot up like a rocket. I mean, let's kind of settle in. Let's see his game. Let's see his body still grow into his game. Um, He's nowhere near a finished product yet. So I'm glad you said that, Steve. Yeah, no, I mean, well, it, that's why I can understand that projection. Then Corda, I think a lot of this is going to depend on physically him holding up a little better than he has so far, which I suspect he will. He's so young. There's no reason, you know, and bringing in his trainer is, he, he's he's trying to add dimensions to his game and 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 change his body and th there's a lot of things he's working on simultaneously. But that this week was was an indication of how good he can be and he has the mindset. That's probably why. That's the positive part of what he said before he took it back. As you said, was that at least there there is that self belief. It's something it would have been wiser not to have said, but it tells you that he thinks in the big picture and he believes in himself and and that. Nobody has to convince him, uh, uh, convince him of what the ceiling could be for him. So that's that's all positive. Listen, we'll see. I I I I I completely understand the predictions. Only time is going to tell. And and I I actually have faith in all four of them. But I'm not quite. I'm not ready to give up on Fritz and Tiafo yet. I right. but I do think that for them, the next two next year or two is critical. While for Shelton and Corda, there's a there's a larger window. The doors open wider for a longer period. Well said. And again, we appreciate whether you listen to this on you know an audio only format or or the video format on YouTube. We we like uh, we like doing this. We love seeing your comments. So appreciate all the feedback. All right, Steve. Next time we do this, we're gonna have the draw in our hand. We're gonna uh, we're gonna be picking we're gonna be picking some matches. Which ones are intriguing to us? Which ones look dangerous for maybe some higher seeded players? Um, I don't know. Before we before we head out this with this episode, what, any final thoughts? No, just just it's one of the most interesting things about the draw or leading up to the draw. It, given what happened last year, would be to see if is Curious actually able to play. He hasn't uh, played one match. He, 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 I mean, one, like. One yeah. match he's played. Yeah. One yeah. match. So is he is he really it does his strategy of trying to hold back on his body and, and throw everything full force into Wimbledon? Is it going to work or is he actually going to find himself this coming week saying, you know what, I, I can't do this. I, my, I'm not ready. I can't play. So I mean, I, I don't know, Steve, like if like the talent is obviously there, but if he plays and let's say he gets through a five setter, like how is his body going to respond to that next round when his body hasn't been in that shock? for all year that's that's the big problem see his body was up to that last year so he survived some strenuous skirmishes on his way to the semifinals where he got the default from rafa and then he played the four set final which he lost to Djokovic. 
he was ready for that. He'd been through a lot of rigor leading up to that couple of semifinals on the grass leading up to Wimbledon. So he, he was well prepared. He won't have that advantage. He won't have that benefit this time around. I couldn't agree more. It might not even have to be a five set match. It might be a tough four setter that could leave him lame for the next round. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, only time will tell, like you said earlier, Hey, this was fun. Like, like I said, next week, we're going to have the draw in hand. We'll, we'll look deep into it. And, uh, I mean, we'll see who's 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 going to stop Novak Djokovic. I think that's the question that everyone's going to uh, uh, going to have when the draw comes out. And uh, he's just been so dominant. And we'll we'll see. That's why it's fun to watch. And I appreciate your time today, Steve. We'll, uh, we'll do this again soon. David, I enjoyed it. Thank you.